Hello again, everyone, and welcome to the Undisputed Future Podcast. This is episode 28. I am CD Danny Mac on solo assignment again this week, doing another episode by myself, guys. What can I say? Everybody's on a different schedule other than me, but my schedule revolves around NXT. And I guess right now, October baseball. But NXT being a top priority with me, we had a huge main event on the October 18th edition of NXT. Sanity took on the Undisputed Era in an absolutely massive six-man tag team match. But this week's episode had plenty else in store. We kicked things off once again with a NXT TakeOver Houston qualifying match for the NXT Women's Championship Fatal 4-Way. We already know that Mae Young Classic winner Kyrie Sane and one half of the iconic duo Peyton Royce already qualified for the match. This week it was Ruby Riot taking on Ember Moon, taking on Sonya Deville, and this was a real big conflict for me ladies and gentlemen, because my other three picks to join Kyrie Sane in this match were those previously mentioned women. I liked Ruby Riot's chances of getting back in the championship hunt. I liked Ember Moon unfinished business in the championship scene and Sonya Deville coming out as her first championship opportunity. Those are my three picks, so naturally they were thrown in a triple threat match against each other. But it was an excellent match nonetheless. Sonya Deville... Ruby Riot, Ember Moon, all with three clashing styles in this one. Uh, we all know Sonya Deville is the MMA-based challenger. She's obviously the most battle-tested striker and most experienced combat-wise in the MMA world. But Ruby Riot thrives in the chaos of a triple threat match, and her and Ember Moon both have championship caliber experience before. They've both been in the big picture. We know of Ruby Riot, Nikki Cross, Oscar triple threat match. We know Ember Moon's history as recently as TakeOver Brooklyn 3 and as far back as WrestleMania weekend to NXT TakeOver Orlando. So it was interesting to see the three of these ladies collide. I thought it was three of the top women in the NXT division today, not counting the new imports from the Mae Young Classic, but three of the most experienced women on the current day NXT women's roster. Now, the in-ring chemistry between Ruby Riot and Ember Moon is fairly documented as a team. I saw them tag team together against Sonya Deville and Mandy Rose at NXT Live in Poughkeepsie, but you haven't really gotten a chance to see these two collide head-to-head. They've had their interactions in the past, but the consistency of these two colliding is something I can look forward to. Ruby Riot is an up-and-coming character and developing right before our eyes. Ember Moon seems to be working on the finishing touches of the Mythic Warrior character, and these two ladies can definitely go in the ring. The chemistry between those two was brought up when they isolated Sonya during this triple threat match, and probably taking out the hard-hitting mixed martial arts trained, probably in the best benefit of both Ruby Riot and Ember Moon. Ruby Riot was able to adapt most quickly to the triple threat environment. Uh, She's no stranger to mosh pits, so she's used to people striking her and trying to crash into her from all different directions. So Ruby Riot being the most adaptive to the certain environment. I mentioned Sonya Deville being the most experienced striker, but probably the most aggressive woman in this match too. There was one huge high point in the match where Ember Moon went for her patented second rope springboard crossbody and Deville struck her out of the air with a huge double leg takedown big 
spear to Ember Moon. I thought it could have ended the match right then and there. It was very similar to Shane McMahon taking his coast-to-coast spear from Roman Reigns, but it was not nearly as bad for Ember Moon's head, thankfully, and of course the count was broken. Sonya Deville not winning it there. Sonya Deville, unfortunately, not winning this one, although getting a great showing, proving that she deserves to be in the upper echelon of NXT women's talent. And really, if she wasn't going to win, that's really the minimal expectation I had for it. Sonya Deville can go. She can develop her tools. Her character is working. I've noticed her Conor McGregor body language as of late in matches. I think that's going to take her very far, especially with the implementation of the four horsewomen into the WWE and NXT world. Um, Looking forward to Sonya Deville clashing with Shayna Baszler, possibly at one point. I think those two would have amazing in-ring chemistry. But back to the match at hand, this triple threat qualifying match, Riot involved in an injured ankle going for a top rope tope suicide dive sort of maneuver, a huge crossbody off the top rope, and Ruby Riot unfortunately landing wrong on that right ankle, and DeVille would pick it apart afterwards, locking Ruby Riot in an extended ankle lock in the middle of the ring. Now, triple threat rules dictate no rope break, even though my father swears it's the only consistent rule in professional wrestling is that rope break, but it does not qualify in a triple threat match. So Ruby Riot's efforts to escape that way, unfortunately futile, but the way this submission was broken up was not a futile attempt at all. Ruby Riot on the ground, Sonya Deville locked in this ankle lock real deep, real strong, but Ember Moon off the top rope, catching the standing Sonya Deville with a huge eclipse, forcing her to break the hold and lay her hands off Ruby Riot. But the unexpected pin on Ruby Riot, not on Sonya Deville. Sonya Deville managing to take so much impact from that eclipse, it knocks her out and under that bottom rope. Ruby Riot, unfortunately suffering from that bad ankle, just absolute immobility on Ruby Riot's part. One, two, three. Ember Moon is moving on to Houston. Now, Ember Moon is a Texas native. I think that gives her automatically the home field advantage. And right now, of those three women qualifying for the match, my personal favorite. But Ember Moon is burning bright, moving into Houston. Just my estimation, but we will not know. Who is the favorite in the matchup? I can't give you a definite answer on that because we've learned of a huge battle royal taking place next week. That last spot will be filled by the winner of this women's battle royal. I am going a little out of order in the episode of NXT, but I'm just so excited to talk about this battle royal because Billy Kay had quite a bit of objection to Mr. Regal about this decision for a battle royal. Billy Kay automatically assuming that since one half of the iconic duo is in the match, the other one should automatically be placed, but William Regal doing the general manager-like thing and setting up a huge number one contendership, filling that last spot matchup and Peyton Royce and Billy Kay, obviously the iconic ones are not going to go into that matchup without a solid plan. Again, next week, huge number one contender filling that last spot in NXT TakeOver Houston, NXT TakeOver War Games for that fatal four-way for the vacated NXT Women's Championship. Who will join Kyrie Sane, Peyton Royce, and Ember Moon in the final spot for the Fatal 4-Way. Give me your thoughts at podcast underscore UF. Tweet me your guess at the winner. 
and by next week, we'll have a definite Fatal 4-Way for that championship. But speaking of championships, Roderick Strong, the former number one contender to the NXT championship, coming up just short against Drew McIntyre in that first week of October matchup, and... Roderick Strong was approached by his former Ring of Honor brethren in the Undisputed Era. Bobby Fish, Kyle O'Reilly, and Adam Cole were seen approaching Strong in the Performance Center parking lot, presumably after Roderick Strong just got done training. The three of them seemed to have stopped Strong and handed him a t-shirt, while rather slung it over his shoulder, in a sign of camaraderie. There was no audio in the videotape, so I don't have exact wording of what they were talking about, and I don't read lips that well, but it kind of looked like an amicable enough interaction. There was no parking lot brawl, there was no animosity or aggression on Roderick Strong's side. Based on what I saw, he's just not interested in what the Undisputed Era are selling. Roderick Strong is determined to make it in NXT on his own, despite his Ring of Honor and World following. And I admire that about Roderick Strong. It speaks a lot to his moral character. He wanted championships on his own merit, not just coming in and trying to shock the system and take over as Adam Cole and the boys have been doing. But this interaction did not seem hostile. Roderick Strong just simply denying their offer, slinging that t-shirt right back over the shoulder of KOR, Kyle O'Reilly, and... We'll see what happens in this developing story later on. Uh, we all know that Tynera Conti seems to have formed at least a loose alliance with the Undisputed Era. Will this stable continue to grow? I think so, but I don't think Roderick Strong is going to be a factor in that happening. I think Roddy is standing too much on his morals. I think it's him and his family versus the world, and he wants to make them proud rather than take any other shortcuts to get what he wants. I'll continue to keep you guys updated on all the attention that the Undisputed Era has been giving Roderick Strong, but a man stuck in the middle of, well, it's a matter of attention, is Aleister Black. Aleister Black having issues with the Velveteen Dream as of late, and Velveteen Dream has promised us and Aleister Black that he will say his name and that Velveteen Dream will get the attention that he desires. But as of the last couple weeks, Aleister Black has shaken off Velveteen Dream. He's ignored his pleas for attention. He has not said his name. He has not given the Velveteen Dream the attention that he wants. In fact, Aleister Black has referred to him on many times as Patrick. And I think that might have even just twisted the knife a little bit more in the gut of Velveteen Dream. But Aleister Black back in action at Full Sail University tonight, taking on the 11-year veteran and cruiserweight classic standout Raul Mendoza. And as you may remember, I try and mention this every time I see Mendoza on NXT television. He had an absolutely excellent match with the Brian Kendrick during that Cruiserweight Classic tournament. He was able to turn a very heavy Kendrick crowd on his side based on his babyface storytelling and his moveset and athletic ability alone. And I found that very interesting. I love that Mendoza got signs to NXT, but he seems to be going the other way. He seems to be filling a, a almost Camacho Latino heel in that space on NXT. He's got the thug and hip-hop appearance going down for him, as well as a lot of high-flying arsenal and a huge speedy moveset. Raul Mendoza is not 
a slack talent, and him getting in the ring with Aleister Black definitely shows the kind of faith that NXT and all the management has in him. Aleister Black has faced many good opponents since he's been in NXT. Even before that, as Tommy ends, he managed to face Neville. And as Aleister Black, he has faced two of Undisputed Era's own, Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish, and they have gone on to do great things. So Raul Mendoza stepping in the ring with Aleister Black definitely says big things, and I hope bigger things are on the horizon for him. But Velveteen Dream did have something to say at the beginning of this matchup. Not necessarily say, but his actions definitely spoke a thousand words. Velveteen Dream interfering on behalf of Mendoza indirectly, distracting Aleister Black. His vest was stolen by Velveteen Dream. Velveteen Dream standing on the apron, trying to put it on, and just trying to get inside Aleister Black. Aleister Black, not a man who is easy to take the focus away from, but just that split second, Raul Mendoza was able to take advantage. And it wasn't just a slight advantage at the beginning either. Raul Mendoza managed to have arguably the hottest start in a match against Aleister Black than any other of his opponents. Now, I said hottest start, not necessarily the longest match Aleister Black has had on NXT television, but Mendoza was able to come out swinging with speed, precision, and accuracy, even able to hit a outside, over-the-top rope. I don't even know what kind of tope Mora was able to call it. All he was able to call it was spectacular. Mendoza was able to showcase his talent in this period of time, in this match against Aleister Black, but the Dutch Destroyer would come back swinging, and by swinging, I mean kicking. Aleister Black really breaking out that kickboxing background with vicious roundhouses, knee strikes, and above all else, that spinning wheel kick, that black mass, right to the ear of Raul Mendoza. Now, Mendoza out for the count, Aleister Black, one, two, three, and just fell back into his patented, seated stance, completely ignoring Velveteen Dream once again. Velveteen Dream, throughout this matchup, had been lurking on the ringside, on the entrance ramp, demanding attention from Aleister Black. Black managing to ignore him the entire time he was in that matchup, but, but, just when you think Aleister Black was fully ignoring Velveteen Dream, Dream made his way up back down the ramp, back towards the locker room area, and just when Velveteen Dream's back was turned, Aleister Black cracked his head over to the side, glared up the entrance ramp, and gave Velveteen Dream some unacknowledged attention, and that was clearly on purpose. I thought that was one of the more telling parts of this story throughout this matchup. Aleister Black ignoring his wardrobe kidnapping from Dream and staying focused on the task at hand, pulling out a victory on NXT, and ignoring Velveteen Dream until it was on his time. Aleister Black is obviously paying attention to what Velveteen Dream is doing, but not giving him the satisfaction of acknowledging it. So this rivalry is definitely going somewhere. I think it's only a matter of time until Velveteen Dream and Aleister Black manage to lock eyes again. I thought their first interaction was awesome. I thought it's really, really cool yin and yang rivalry. And this week on NXT television just showed where it's going. 
Will Velveteen Dream ever get the attention from Aleister Black that he demands? One man who obviously has the whole attention of the NXT universe is the NXT champion, Drew McIntyre. Drew McIntyre sat down with Christy St. Cloud for an interview on this week's edition of NXT, really to spell out the journey that brought him back to the WWE and to the top of the NXT brand. McIntyre went really on and on about how getting released from WWE the first time really sank him in a bad place in his life. Uh, The fire within him was gone. He had just purchased his first home with his girlfriend, uh, his current wife, four days before that. And he gets released from his contract. I did not know that. I thought it was a really telling part of just how just how much the drive came back to McIntyre about wanting to step foot back in WWE. McIntyre claims that this was a literal dream to be NXT champion. A lot of people say it when it's just a big goal of theirs, but this apparently was a literal dream for Drew McIntyre. McIntyre saying how he's a fighting champion... He will take on any challenger at any time, any place, and McIntyre just really, really stating how proud he is to be NXT champion. He had started a lot of short-term goals, but his big long-term goal was to get back to WWE and obviously on the top of a brand. He's achieved that as NXT champion, and I thought this was a very good interview. I thought it was very peaceful and calm, but Christy St. Cloud would soon be interrupted by Andrade Cien Almas' business associate, Zelina Vega. Zelina Vega leading Andrade Cien Almas to all kinds of success since linking up with him in NXT. A huge win at NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 3 over Johnny Gargano, a rematch win last week against Gargano, Now, Almas and his partner obviously have his sights on other things. Zelina Vega's sights are on NXT champion Drew McIntyre. McIntyre didn't really appreciate Zelina Vega coming on behalf of Andrade Cien Almas. McIntyre exclaiming here that he's willing to take on the challenge, but maybe Almas shouldn't just send his business associate. Maybe Almas should stand toe-to-toe with McIntyre and demand the match himself. Or go to William Regal or figure out something where McIntyre will have to defend his championship. But McIntyre not denying Almas a match because that's the kind of champion that McIntyre is. But Almas needs to work for it through other ways. Almas either needs to stand toe-to-toe with McIntyre to get this matchup. Or Zelina Vega is going to go through William Regal to get it. I'm honestly surprised by this. Uh, Almas obviously has been building up steam since Zelina Vega's involvement, but I did not expect him to come after the champion so quickly after TakeOver Brooklyn 3. I really thought we were going to watch this Adam Cole story play out first, but Adam Cole seeming to need to support the Red Dragon and the rest of Undisputed Era in this current war with Sanity, so Zelina Vega obviously stepping up to the plate on behalf of Andrade Cien Almas and demanding this championship match. But will this championship match be answered? What's next for McIntyre? And will Almas be granted this match? I really think so. I think it's just a bit, it's been a matter of time before Almas gets thrown into the NXT championship picture. This Adam Cole thing just kind of drove me for a loop, so I didn't think it was happening yet. But I can't think of a better number one contender than Andrade Cien Almas 
Almas, obviously one of the top heels in NXT right now, with the absence of Tommaso Ciampa, Adam Cole, and the Undisputed Era with their feud with Sanity, I can't think of a better single star to step up than Andrade Cien Almas right now, and the fire that Zelina Vega has set underneath him definitely qualifies him as a number one contender, and I can't wait to see where Cien goes in these coming weeks to getting that challenge and getting that championship opportunity. Alright, definitely a lot of things going on outside of the ring in the NXT universe, so I'm going to bring it back to a match that I actually saw live at the NXT house show in Poughkeepsie, New York. I'm talking about Cassius Ono back in action, taking on the big Brazilian Cesar Banani. Kind of deemed this one the Brazilian Bomber versus the Knockout Artist, and it was very similar to the match I caught in Poughkeepsie. Am I going to remember everything sequence for sequence? No, but I did remember a few of the bigger spots. I just loved that this is a match of two dudes over six foot five, absolutely hammering each other. These guys are big strikers. We know of Cesar Banani's background in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and boxing. We know Cassius Ono as a world-traveled wrestler, as well as the knockout artist. Not a slack when it comes to strikes. This was definitely a once again, hard-hitting matchup on NXT, but Cassius Ono would walk away with the win. Cassius Ono knocking down Cesar Banani to a vicious rolling elbow to the back of the head. That's one spot I definitely remembered from the Poughkeepsie show. One, two, three, lights out for Cesar Banani. Now, Cassius Ono has not been a mentioned name on NXT television, especially not since TakeOver He hasn't had any TakeOver matches in quite some time. The last thing I remember him really being in was the Ty Dillinger team rivalry taking on Sanity, who were working heel at the time. But since then, I can't remember, and I don't think it's happened, I don't think Cassius Ono has had a TakeOver match. Now, last week I mentioned who I would like to see take on Lars Sullivan, And I gave the obvious answer, or what some people would consider an obvious answer. I said the Beast of Belfast, Killian Dane. This week, it even sparked my memory of what to do with Cassius Ono. I think Cassius Ono versus Lars Sullivan could be a takeover matchup. I think having these two big brooding dudes colliding in a takeover match could not only be great exposure for Lars Sullivan as a big beast character in NXT, it would give Cassius Ono a little bit of justice for being this traveled veteran, a real good showcase matchup for him to be in. He has not had a singles opportunity at NXT TakeOver yet, and I think he deserves it a little bit more than a lot of people do in the NXT locker room right now. The guy puts on consistent matches, his popularity on the indies brought him back, and I don't want to see Cassius Ono get lost in the shuffle. Lars Sullivan versus Cassius Ono, please book it for NXT TakeOver War Games. But to steer away from my fantasy booking just for a minute, and before we get to tonight's main events, that huge six-man tag team matchup, next week we have the NXT Women's Championship Final Spot Qualifying Battle Royal, and I'm assuming it's going to be a 15-women Battle Royal. I believe that's the uh, that's generally the standard on NXT television when we've had women's Battle Royals in the past, but with the inclusion of so many Mae Young Classic tournament winners, it might be up to 20 at this point. All I know is these ladies are going to be fighting hard and fast and trying to eliminate each other for that last spot in the Fatal 4-Way at NXT TakeOver Houston. 
I would like to see another Mae Young Classic competitor step up and get this opportunity. Um, my first guess would be Abby Laith. I'm a huge Abby Laith fan. And of course, Mrs. Wrestling, Candice LeRae Gargano. Candice LeRae, definitely a favorite with me as well. And in two weeks, speaking of Candice LeRae, her husband, Johnny Wrestling, Johnny Gargano, will be taking on another Cruiserweight Classic standout, the newly signed to NXT as well, Fabian Eichner. Now, if you haven't seen Fabian Eichner go in that Cruiserweight Classic tournament, he's like an Italian Cesaro. The guy beefed up his weight. He's going to be in a heavyweight division on the NXT brand, and he's a force to be reckoned with. He's crazy. The athleticism he has is crazy. The man just seems to have a lot to offer to the NXT brand. Based on what I've seen, he was in action a couple weeks ago. Great to see him on NXT television. Looking forward to another high-quality match against Johnny Gargano, and really looking for a bounce-back win for Johnny Gargano. With Almas moving into the NXT title picture, I can only sit here and wonder what could have been with a couple wins under Johnny Gargano's belt. But Gargano not getting a chance at the NXT title, but I'm sure he will have an excellent match with Fabian Eichner in just two weeks. Now it's time to talk main event. It's time to talk what will bring Adam Cole and the Undisputed Era to the very edge of sanity. I'm talking about the six-man tag team matchup between the Undisputed Era's Adam Cole, Bobby Fish, and Kyle O'Reilly taking on the force of sanity's Killian Dane, Alexander Wolfe, and Eric Young, the NXT Tag Team Champions, with of course the crazy catalyst of Nikki Cross sitting at ringside. It was shock the system versus the shock and awe and chaos of sanity. Huge collision here tonight on NXT television. It was fast-paced. It was... It was well controlled by Sanity in the early goings of these of this matchup. Sanity had things under control, really isolating the undisputed era, but one false move, one really dishonest act by Adam Cole turned the whole entire match around. Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly really getting to show what brought them to the dance with the hard striking and tandem offense. Red Dragon, Kyle O'Reilly, and Bobby Fish are a force to be reckoned with in the NXT Tag Team Division. We've only seen them compete against Mustache Mountain, but it was a very impressive showing. These guys are world-traveled. Adam Cole, also a champion everywhere he's been. One specific takeaway I do have from this Sanity and Undisputed Era rivalry is that I want this Eric Young and Adam Cole collision to continue. These guys have great in-ring chemistry. It wouldn't surprise me. I don't know this for a fact if they've competed on the independent circuit against each other before, but their singles match was really great. The chemistry they had in the six-man tag team match also blew me away. Very impressive showing from all six men, especially the beast of Belfast, Killian Dane. Killian Dane getting the hot tag in this matchup when Bobby Fish were tr- and Kyle O'Reilly trying to keep Eric Young away from that corner, but could not do it long enough. Killian Dane coming in like a head full of steam. A huge train running through Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish. Killian Dane was hitting both these guys simultaneously with a number of moves. A huge senton on Bobby Fish and a dropkick to Kyle O'Reilly. A Samoan drop and a fallaway slam dropping both of these guys 
with massive power. Still very surprised that he was not part of that TakeOver Brooklyn 3 match, but that was obviously a strategic genius move by Eric Young claiming those tag team championships against the Authors of Pain. Speaking of the Authors of Pain, before this match could get a final conclusion, just when you think Adam Cole has nowhere to run, Killian Dane was in the ring. Alexander Wolfe made his way towards the ramp, cutting off Adam Cole's runaway. Eric Young blocking off the corner of the crowd where Adam Cole would also be able to escape, only to be interrupted by the heinous music and presence of the Authors of Pain, the former NXT Tag Team Champions, and their manager, their mastermind, Paul Ellering. Paul Ellering obviously directing traffic and writing another chapter in the Book of Dominance, sending Akam and Rezar right to the ring, no concern for the outcome of this matchup, and tearing apart current Tag Team Champions. Now, Undisputed Era did manage to catch a break here. The distraction by the Authors of Pain did provide a window of opportunity for Adam Cole and the Red Dragon to escape, but no such luck for Sanity. An absolute decimation of the Tag Team Champions. All of the competing members of Sanity were dropped, and a huge Super Collider would be the icing on the cake and the end of this week's episode of NXT. The Authors of Pain coming back and proving that this chapter has not been written and that this book has not been closed here in NXT. Now, I was almost in the speculation group of Authors of Pain are getting called up to SmackDown. They're going to be revealed as Brizango's attackers. Not necessarily. I really think that Authors of Pain, given the chaotic and hostile environment of a War Games matchup, I think that's a huge edge for the Authors of Pain. I think those guys deserve to be in in that match, and I can't wait to see what two big forces like that can do with the Steel Cage. We have not seen this type of matchup in years, and I really think those guys would fit the bill to put on a great show inside a War Games matchup. But Authors of Pain coming out proving that they are not done. Their legacy with those NXT Tag Team Championships is obviously not over. Paul Ellering once again cooking up a strategy to get the jump on his opponents. Now, Undisputed Era getting away slightly unscathed for that matchup, and Sanity's war with them is obviously not over. The War Games matchup really seems to be shaping place with these three stables, and I think it's a great way to kick things off. I think the build has really struck some intrigue with me, and I really hope the rest of the NXT universe as well. We'll stay tuned for the build towards NXT TakeOver Houston, NXT TakeOver War Games, who will fill that fourth women's championship spot and join Kyrie Sane, Ember Moon, and one half of the iconic duo, Peyton Royce. We'll find out in a battle royal next week. Two weeks from now, we have Johnny Gargano taking on Fabian Eichner, and... That's it for me on this episode, but guys, thank you for joining me once again. It's been excellent being back behind the microphone. The theme of these two weeks has been consistency. It's nice to get two episodes out week to week again. I'm not so much in the mental funk I was in. In fact, I'm looking to build this show even more. CD's solo shoots are coming soon because sometimes it's not Wednesday and I have a lot to say about the NXT alumni. 
some recent call-ups, some news and rumors going around. I'm going to start filming just a couple more side segments, and my first one is going to be addressing former NXT champion Neville's status with WWE and where I think he can be used better in the company. I understand his aggression being pigeonholed in the 205 Live division, but Neville is way too good of a talent to be wasted like this. So that's one NXT alumni instance I really want to take a look into. More to come, but for now, this has been episode 28. I hope you enjoyed this pleasant half hour with me. Please follow the Twitter at podcast underscore UF. Follow the Instagram at Undisputed Future Podcast, all one word. Find me on Instagram. Find me on Facebook, rather. Excuse me. Find me on Find me on SoundCloud. Find me on iTunes. I assume that's how you're listening to this. And I'm going to be looking for numerous ways to put the podcast up on many sources. Once again, I am CD Danny Mac, the voice that is your choice. And I hope you have an excellent week. Thank you.